calls for us taking the steps now that will make us no longer second in space and in size. It lays the predicate and the foundation for a space communication satellite that will permit the people of the world to see one television program at the same time throughout the world. Think about that kind of communication and think about the opportunity that will provide. It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather and he who controls the weather will control the world. Welcome to What's Left, the weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca with co-host, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson, writer and teacher Jessica, and community organizer and socialist Kenny Cepeda. We are online at what-s-left.webno.com. You can find that link to our blog in the episode notes. You can also find our personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca and at ZDKE on, social, on, on Instagram and Jessica's Twitter handle at, as, at jhomie89. Uh, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, and share your favorite episode where we found this episode. Thank you. All right, let's do this for today's discussion. Kevin Trails. <laughs> Geoengineering is the, the correct term. <laughs> oh, there you go. And I'm going to correct you and say, no, we should call it climate intervention. Because I saw a 2015 uh, paper put out by the U.S. government that said geoengineering isn't exactly uh, the right thing to call it because, you know, there's other things that are geoengineering. We're going to call it climate intervention. And they also noted weather war, (laughs) weather warfare. So, but I, yeah, I think geoengineering is the way to go. So, Chemtrails, then it is. And so we were talking just before recording, and you mentioned some. Well, Jessica, you asked Andy uh, if we had done this and at some time if, uh, during what's left in its um, time. And Andy said, "You, wh- what did you say, Andy?" Well, well, I, I mean, the the short answer is no. We we haven't talked about chemtrails. We have talked about. Well, <clears throat> global warming we've talked about capitalism's attack on the environment and we've had we've me and eduardo have had differences over like i've started to come to this notion that this global warming stuff and co2 as the major problem around the environment that there's a, a growth that, that might be fictional or that might be overstated um and but chemtrails i've heard you know but i didn't really know what to make of it i didn't really think anything of it and um, even myself, Eduardo and I have had our own, um, battles about conspiracy, if you will. Um, but even for myself, that area of chemtrails starts to edge and had in the past edged into just kind of, oh, that's conspiracy, you know, and that's my old socialist roots that tend to kind of really downplay that and <clears throat> say that that's nuts or something like that. 
So I didn't really pay pay much mind. And even if I had thought about paying much mind, I think, as I said to Eduardo earlier, you know, that was too much in Alex Jones's wheelhouse for me to bring to what's left because I felt like Eduardo would never go for it. Um, but to be honest, I haven't. I had never really been thinking about this before. Uh, well, at that time, and, and Kenny asked too why why I was reluctant. You know, if people have been following us, people know that I was raised a Jehovah's Witness, so I was lied to a lot about things and wasn't allowed to see more. I wasn't allowed to read other things. Uh, was very restricted. So just believing in one thing, hanging out with just one community group, I was that was eighteen years of my life. So getting out and trying to find some scientific community or some scientific explanation, excuse me, some scientific explanation for things. uh, And then just trying to find stability in my, my core beliefs as I transitioned out, didn't allow for more like wacky, uh, you know, ideas that to come to mind, but I had read chemtrails in, I think, some some novel about some about uh, a, about a, a memoir about someone being raised by a hippie mother, and I remember he brought up the chemtrails and 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 he said that his mother had talked about these 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 nefarious acts by the government to to uh, change people's psychology and influence people's behavior and things like this and all kinds of conspiratorial things. So it was very fascinating at, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> but breeding this. So that, so I've been reluctant just because I, because of that, because I feel like we, I don't want us to go too far into some areas that make me feel me. This is not, I didn't say we we're going to do this. But it just makes me feel like, oh, where are we going with this? What's left is becoming, <laughs> you know. Uh, so that was just my hesitation. Anyone can respond to that if you feel uh, there's the need. I feel like we've already crossed that line. I think yeah. we're like going to be like fringe. We're already there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and That's- I think as a gardener, Eduardo, like you especially have to at least consider this stuff well after doing our research and readings and saying i you know it's obviously something i i'm uh i've i'm really i don't know how to that's another added thing about the list of worries in my life you know about the world and what we've come to and the things we're doing to it so and and i'd be curious uh kenny if, if, if you had had any background in this area of looking at this stuff before no not really i um i mean i've always wondered you know like what it is that's coming off the planes or you know there's usually you know trail and the usual explanation was you know uh what is it condensation or something along those lines um and the only other area where i did run into it is reading this science fiction novel called the ministry of the future it's a very good novel. It speaks about uh, climate change and how you know different countries are tackling that, and how different countries uh, modify the weather in order to produce rain in their areas. 
uh, versus other countries in, in that competitive aspect. Uh, that's as far as I've thought about it. I never, you know, I really don't, still don't know much about any kind of history, you know, that that uh, may uh, serve as, you know, evidence or that this has happened, has been done. It probably still may be done. And 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 just on that note on conspirational thing, I I actually think this might be a little further up there. I don't I don't think, in the sense of I myself had a little some hesitation when I first heard about it, um, especially looking up stuff and what people are talking about it. You know, even people like Joe Rogan had an episode a while back and like where he was like just dismissing it and, you know, and, and calling people and he's been very critical of the vaccine. Right. And so. So it does to me, I think there is like it's a, a step into the, the unknown. Uh, it is pushing the, the envelope because I, I do think this topic might be dismissed even more easily by more people. Um, that's just my sense of it. I think it's really interesting how it's considered like one of the more extreme conspiracy theories when, I don't know, it's one of the ones, at least insofar as like coming from my limited framework, like it's one of the ones that A, has like been admitted to quite openly in a lot of different contexts by a lot of different people for decades. Um, and it's also one of the ones where like you can literally just look up in most places on a, like any given sunny day and see it, you know, versus a lot of other conspiracy theories where like, you know, there might, might be evidence, but it's not happening like right in front of your eyes. So I just, it's weird to me that it's like, has this like extra sort of fringy association with it in the conspiracy world. I mean, just to get into that, the the thing that I had seen that where where people were pl- putting doubts on the 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 persistent chemtrail versus the less persistent contrail, which is just exclusively condensation, or at least it's called that, is there are people who have I read, read some uh, uh, or I saw a paper basically of somebody who said that you can have long extending contrails that are a result of non water particles that planes are giving out so like sulfides and sulfates and other things that are become nucleation sites for water and they were saying well those are contrails now what they also admit though is that those contrails themselves even if they're 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 trying to get away from the notion of chemtrails those contra contrails themselves one are a result of a pollutant being put in the atmosphere and two uh they themselves have um light reflecting properties that go into the area of climate intervention that uh, that is now being, dis- well, not just now being discussed, but now being openly discussed, where you actually have a 2015 paper saying, maybe we can throw shit into the atmosphere and block light from coming in so that CO2 effects are mitigated. Yeah, and I mean, even just as like a starting point, because there's like all these different terms, right? I mean, there's sort of the more general, there's like chemtrails versus contrails and geoengineering um weather warfare but then there's like the more sort of scientific uh stratospheric aerosol injection right or like solar radiation management um there's other ones but i mean just as a starting point like cloud seeding is an industry like that just at least 
I think acknowledging that before we get into some of the stuff that's like, because there's so little transparency, like, yeah, we're probably not going to come to like a hundred percent conclusion. Um, but like, we know general electric electric has been doing cloud seeding, you know, you can just Google, right. Like it's, it's a mainstream industry, right. Pumping, like it's, that's the silver. I don't know if that's what you were talking about, Andy, with the light. You're, you're going to yeah. be more up on the science than me, but like, I know the silver iodide, I think is that's cloud seeding, right. Um, which is one of the things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but also supposedly this stuff called chaff, which has, that's where the lithium oxide comes in, which is also a, a prop something where they're saying that creates uh, clouds that are more reflect reflect the light before it comes into the atmosphere, meaning it doesn't get trapped inside. It doesn't become a greenhouse. Doesn't have to become a greenhouse gas then kind of thing. Or the greenhouse gases have less of a greenhouse because your greenhouse is reflecting light because you you you've seeded this atmosphere with uh, lithium oxide particles and things like that. So that's that's another thing I've heard with regards to the solar radiation. What was it SRGM solar radiation management? Mm -hmm. Can't remember the acronym, but it's basically saying we want to regulate how much solar light comes into the comes through the atmosphere, and that's for climate supposedly climate change mitigation. Yeah, and I think we have to say supposedly because, frankly, I even think I'm I question even the cover story for for what these things are being said that they're trying to do, but I. I think we're just, and like, I think this episode is not us, is me just entering into this material because I hope to talk about it more in future, in future episodes. Wait, yeah, and I just... think if, if somebody is looking for like a super in-depth, like scientific stuff, like this isn't probably going to be the, the place for that. Like there's books and I'm sure we'll link a bunch of stuff in terms of like what we've been looking at. But I guess like I'm interested in sort of some of the connections that I think we can draw because to me, like this is not, I mean, it's scary and very conspiratorial, like in and of itself. But I think the broader connections like this to me is connected to who I are. It's connected to Biden's executive order that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. It's connected to Eduardo's work on GMOs or against GMOs. It's connected to the vaccines. Like it's there's it's all part of it. Right. Um, and I'm sure we'll get like the other you know, in addition to like the climate stuff, um, like one of the things I was looking at a lot is just the heavy metals of like, why are there heavy metals like all over our ecosystems in at rates that are just unprecedented in a relatively short amount of time? Because um, that's what got me. I mean, I always thought it was kind of weird that there were like these weird shapes and grids in the sky, especially in places like where I live, where I mean, okay, yeah, it's. I understand planes are still like flying through this space, but I live two and a half hours drive from an airport. Um, I know there's cargo planes and all that stuff, but like you see these planes flying low in like insane patterns that are not like that's not a flight pattern, no way. Um, so I always thought that was weird, but I think what got me really looking into it more in depth was from the nutrition angle. I'm starting to learn about how heavy metals affect the body. Um, and looking like I remember specifically looking for like brands of cacao that don't have high levels of heavy metals, which is extremely hard to find. And then wondering, well, why? Like, why is there, you know, aluminum and strontium and barium like all up in our food supply? And that's kind of what got me 
in, which obviously connects like the vaccines and stuff too because of the adjuvants. But sorry, Eduardo, I, I kind of cut you, cut you off. No, you're fine. No, there are a lot of heavy metals that are that are in. And I used to think, well, I wasn't sure. I thought maybe it was just some some cities were very polluted. Obviously, you're going to get like acid rain, and you're going to get lots of waste and pollutants from contaminated um, uh, evaporation, condensation, and the cycle of the, the rains, right? Like the water cycle. But I thought maybe you would be able to get like fresh, clean rain uh, water from, from like maybe rural areas. But even then, if you're in an area where there are uh, high pollutants and people are messing with um, the weather, you're, you're, it's no longer safe to even just drink water from the rain, right? Like you still have to filter it out. Even then that's an issue. Uh, so I was, that was just my, my comment um, to that. And then the other thing I was going to question Andy was, are you saying that some of the geoengineering that is being set up for, uh, that is, that is being uh, engineered for, like to combat climate change, you're, you're saying that this is possibly not even for that. They're just saying it's a guise for climate change using it under that guise, but really there might be some other. Yeah, it, because it looks like looks like chemical warfare to me. That's what it looks like. Chemical. It, it, All right. it looks like chemical warfare methods under the guise of trying to help um, the environment. And so I don't buy their I don't buy their fourth industrial revolution. We're going to collect your crap and we're going to see how much CO2 emissions you're producing and we're going to give you credits. I don't buy that justification. So I see no reason to buy, even though this is hidden, <laughs> it's hidden, but it's not. You can, you can literally just look it up and see these stuff online and see that there's conferences about the stuff they're, they're doing or even planning to do with regards to geoengineering, admitting, well, you know, we're not really sure we can get at this thing just for, by lowering CO2 levels or changing people's behaviors. It looks like we might need to put chemicals in there that sequester carbon or that block light from coming into the atmosphere. Now, they're saying it as if, well, we might have to, but now I already know that they've been doing this kind of stuff for a while. So I have no reason to believe that they haven't already started it. And these, and these papers are just the, 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 the exposure, the beginning of the exposure of, of things they're doing. But I'm not sure I, I even believe those are the real reasons the government's doing it, because I think the real reasons, I particularly... I, I could see us much more nefarious because this stuff is so experimental. It's, it's again, like the vaccines, experimental, the experiments being run. And again, the experiment on the planet's climate, on the experiment, on the, on the planet's eco atmosphere is being run right now and how it affects us. That experiment's being run right now as well, apparently. Cause I, I mean, so I, I don't know what their intent, but I know that they did have an intent of fighting a fighting Vietnamese with with climate war. So when they did it, and so I'll, I'll talk more about that later. So if they were doing it then, why wouldn't they be doing it now? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's much more connected to, like the motivation is much more connected to the health of the population, the food supply and forms of warfare among other things. But I also think it's important to point out that like, even if you take them at their word that this is purely for climate change mitigation, um, 
Like I always, I love the way Corey Morningstar always puts it. Not, she's not talking specifically about geoengineering, but just about like the financialization of nature at large. But she always talks about how we're like plundering nature to save climate, which is stupid. Like this hyper, she doesn't say that, which is, she says it more eloquently, but but like this idea that like we have to save the climate, we have it's all, the carbon emissions, yet at the expense of our entire like life supporting ecosystem and everything that's a part of that, like it just doesn't hold up even on its surface. And and that that ridiculousness is connected to we are going to vaccinate everyone around this one little thing and just eliminate any other like not even discuss any other health effect that may happen as a result of lockdown, as a result of being vaccinated, as a result result of this RNA treatment, as a result of glycophin, glyphosate, glyphosates. It's just, it's an absurdity. And so it's such an absurdity that I have to, I have to know that they know it's absurd. So it's just a lie. Well, then why don't we begin, as we, we were saying, in chronological order, what we've discovered. So I'll just yeah. go from the very beginning, which is very brief, like World War One. I. I learned in this, the, the chemical warfare really started with World War One, because that's where the chemical industry was. Of course, everything that we do, right, like the Internet, things that we say that are for uh, people who are differently abled, right, anything that is being an invention in society, mostly, most of it comes from the military. Everything comes from, from government use. Uh, and then it trickles down to us, all of these other these devices, right? Like I'm sure smartphones and all these things existed right prior to the rest of us using them. So the chemical industry was able to get supported by World War One. was able to get funded by that. And uh, over time, now, this is where I'm not sure because, I, as again, I'll cite the podcast that I was listening to uh, in the episode notes that over time, like so much of these chemicals, so like chemicals got produced, there was just too much. They started spilling them over into rivers and lakes. And if they had spilled almost everything that they was because massively producing, and after World War One, what like end of World War One, the chemical industry kept going, and they uh, they they couldn't uh, sustain themselves, but they had like they had they had to they had many other things that they were trying to use it for everyday life chemicals, and that's what the we've seen as today. Like that's why we have a lot of cleaning products and things from those from that era that we're able to produce um, like templates from that time, right? But so much of it was experimentation, so they released it into our rivers, into our oceans. And then hoping that somehow the earth would just repair itself over time. Like that's, but, be, but if they had released everything, then uh, they would have, um, they would have basically destroyed all animal life and everything living sentient. Right. Uh, here's where I'm not sure if this is true or not. And this is where it can get into the so-called conspiratorial world. It's that because they had to store it so much was, was it produced that, they couldn't keep it any longer and they had to slowly. So they decided over time, they decided to slowly release it into the atmosphere so that it wouldn't be all in one. Otherwise, like, as I said, like they would, everything would have been killed off because this is really strong stuff and stuff that was still being 
analyzed and 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 figured out what what it does. So they started releasing it into the into the environment slowly over time. And this is, I will say, just speculation. Maybe you both won't say, or the three of you will say it against me. But uh, over releasing it over with planes over uh, um, in the hopes that it would somehow not just be released through in the water or seep into the soils, but would be released into the atmosphere uh, by air. <coughs> there is a good article uh, in the Sun from uh, this lawyer that was a conservative, but had family in the Midwest that was connected to a farmer who started seeing uh, his cattle uh, like with deformities. And it was because of chemicals like Dupont uh, releasing chemicals into the into the environment, and so this lawyer, who was like pretty much a conservative on the political spectrum, uh, simply did it because of his relationship to that land, to the people there in the Midwest, that he decided to fight. But it took so many years to be able to release the data that was needed to investigate Dupont on the chemicals that they were releasing in this state that I forget that I will link in the description box below in the episode notes but that just came to mind right now that's improvised about that article on in the sun so i imagine all of these chemicals and then eventually they got the epa was involved environmental protection agency and then they were able to see how many things were being released and how it affected our bodies and the last time i heard jane google speak at a conference or something on the web i remember she said that something like we have like 90% of chemicals from the world like are in already in our, in our bodies once you're born like like or as as an adult i think it is look i forget it's your once you're born but as a human like everybody has chemicals in the bodies no matter what like we're all just all filled with chemicals because of our environment and it's important to find cleanse to cleanse ourselves because of it so that's just about the chemicals then does this how i started coming i remembered stuff like this then there was a radio lab podcast about yellow rain and the yellow rain was the episode it was so sad because the interview there that I had learned about was about the Vietnam war and the cold war era and they were interviewing someone from Laos that had that had um that had uh, experienced the yellow rain and had many people had died and scientists went back and this is where I believe the people the people who witnessed this this is where it got to me. Like the interview was so disheartening to hear because it was criticized for the interviewer attacking someone who'd witnessed and lived that time. And scientists, he said, he said the the, the host um, had said, you know, scientists had gone back and basically had said it was bee feces. That's what it was, bee feces. And I have here the the interview and 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 there was the oh, it's hard I'm sorry I'm not I don't know how to pronounce this name Eng Yang sorry if I mispronounced but he was living in Laos in a small village at the time in 1975 and he was saying and like many people saying that they had to hide in the jungle because they saw yellow droplets that fell from the sky and that splattered the landscape and uh and Basically, as a witness, first-hand account, he was being dismissed and undermined for his personal first-hand experience and had seen people die from this. And Robert Coleridge, who was interviewing, uh, basically ended the show cross-examining like if he was an attorney onto this person 
and and even the 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 granddaughter of this first like of Eng Yang who was who lived in Laos was crying in the interview like you're dismissing his firsthand account and you just want to call it by science and all these things and call it B feces there's something that happened there I don't think you get that and the episode ended really sadly but I really was left with that experience feeling like god God, fucking damn that is so hard you have experienced war you went through so many things and you see things coming from the sky and no one takes you seriously and that's how I feel about people when they're talking about chemicals in the environment like the government like I don't and and I'm so glad we're doing this now thinking about it and thank you Jessica and, and Andy for really pushing for this and I was reluctant but like there's so many people who have doubts about the government and they should have doubts right like I feel they are so validated in their thou- their their doubts about anything, and this is the reason why we get conspiratorial because of so many hot, hidden lies of things that are covered up. We don't know what these satellites like. These satellites are supposed to be for like searching space, etc., searching for new planets, stars, whatever. Like I imagine these things were funded by the military in order for us just to create more. Um, who's going to dominate like the space wars, basically like Star Wars eventually at some point in time, because there is no genuine, like decent desire to search. I imagine the scientists are there who would like to research stuff that have lifelong desire and interest in these areas. But if you're going to get funded, they're not going to be interested in stars and nebulas and all of that by the top. You're going to be the governing class going to be like, okay, fine. And alongside this, we're going to figure out how to have military operations up in the in the universe. You know, it's not just going to be about your nebulous. So uh, these things sort of like giving me the impetus, like as I was remembering stuff like this to keep, keep going. And I can go into it now um, with like specifics about Agent Orange, things that I remember from like the GMO Occupy movement that you alluded to just in one of the emails. And I appreciate that. But I don't know if I should stop there and then let you go because I left off with Vietnam and sort of that era. And I know why one of you were going to bring that up. I'm not sure, but I'll stop there. And then I can bring up Operation LAC and even San Francisco sort of history with chemical uh, testing. Yeah, I mean, first off, I completely believe, even just under capitalism, that they're going to come up with ways to use chemical waste or chem- chemical products that are unused. And I'm completely convinced that there's a financial reason and a control reason, and they don't give a fuck about human reason to do all sorts of things with their excess chemicals and to call them dual use, you know, and that's why they would throw a bunch of these chemicals into the atmosphere and call it experiments. So for sure. I believe what people are saying about why, what, where this, a lot of this stuff, the impetus for a lot of this came from. I just kind of want to comment on what Eduardo was saying, you know, this, um, you know, the use of chemicals, like I know, for example, in my family, people have died because they were sprayed from the the air, you know, in plantations in Guatemala, uh, on banana plantations, they were sprayed um, indiscriminately, you know, they would just, and then, they still use some of this stuff today in the so-called war on drugs. Uh, they spray Roundup on areas where they want to supposedly eradicate, you know, weed or poppy seeds or whatever. 
so I know this because Guatemala is an epicenter of the quote-unquote war uh, on drugs. I know that it happens in Colombia too. And so this also gives, you know, a lot of uh, knowledge, right, as to what this kind of shit does to humans. And, and so I see that that these cases, you know, of doing it in other countries, um, you know, in as an experiment, right? In it, 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 it builds up knowledge for the people who who are gathering this stuff. And you know, one of the things that I found in kind of looking up this stuff was that everyone kind of deflected to the quote unquote experts. <laughs> and we've known right already through COVID how like the quote unquote experts were captured, even well-meaning people. Uh, and now we're talking about industries that are very more, uh, way smaller, you know, even more easier to control, you know, uh, narratives in, in the so-called experts that that give us or dismiss, you know, conspirational ideas. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just speak from the experience of my family, you know, that we know that they don't give a shit. They have experimented and it's science, quote unquote, science has people have had to fight against, quote unquote, science for years in order to get some sort of reparations uh, to demonstrate that they were uh, damaged. And, and so and, and, and just like data mining, that's how I see it, just like data mining in, 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 in the, or um, the conditional cash transfers are experimented in Mexico. They make their way back, you know, to to the mainland, and that's how I see that. Yeah. Um, so let me start my little story here with this clip. So this, I want to start with this, which is a speech by Lyndon B. Johnson in 1962, given at uh, Southwest Texas State University, um, basically. JFK is still alive. Um, he's vice president. Um, and he's basically talking to them about, you know, the the, the battle between capitalism and freedom and capitalism that the United States represents. He doesn't mention capitalism, but he mentions freedom and democracy. And on the other side, communism and authoritarianism and tyranny and slavery. Um, and he's saying, look, you you are in a country that is standing up for freedom and in a generation that is is is, is going to create hope for people. And he start he he then talks about some plans that that uh, JFK is bringing to the Congress about to make to give the United States that competitive edge and to build that brighter future for all of us. And so this is what he says. This is the little part. So you're going to mention it. He's going to mention a few technologies, but there's one in particular. You'll see why I I, I bring it up. It calls for us taking the steps now that will make us no longer second in space and in science. It lays the predicate and the foundation for a space communication satellite that will permit people of the world to see one television program at the same time throughout the world. Think about that kind of communication and think about the opportunity that will provide. It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the 
rose cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather and he who controls the weather will control the world. It lays the predicate for the steps that are necessary to send the man to the moon. I don't think there's any much, I'll probably leave it at that, but I mean, let me stop sharing that. Um, for me, what's interesting is first, except for the one about the weather, all those things were things that have happened. All those things were part of U.S. war making and part of U.S. competition with the Soviet Union. Um, and really, when, when he was even talking about the global communications and the one television that all everyone can see, you can see they understand this not as an information source, but as a control source. But in 1962, they already had their plans for how we're going to use, and he just talked about satellites, but it wasn't satellites. They were going to, well, I think satellites are related to it in terms of visualizing it, but it was also, they had these other plans, which I'm going to mention. They already had plans about controlling the weather. And that's where I want to get into Operation Popeye, which was done in Vietnam. And, and it was actually exposed by the Pentagon Papers and so this person you talked about, who is basically cross-examining this man in Laos, it's such a it's such a deep lie because it, this this um, let me read the part where it was said in Operation Popeye that was done in Vietnam. Let me see if I can find it. Um, he said Project Popeye was tested in a strip of the Laos Panhandle east of the Bolivens Plateau in the Sekong uh, River Valley. The government of Laos was not informed of the project its methods or its goals. And what were its methods? Basically, um, the goal of it was to flood the Vietnamese and to make and to create so much rain that they would not be able to move their weapons and equipment and stuff wherever they could. So they were attempting to screw up the logistics of their enemy by dropping a bunch of lane. And so what they would do is they would find monsoon um, like clouds. They would fly their um, planes into them and they would they were filled with silver and lead iodide they would blow up those canisters so that the so that the the lead and silver iodide would go into the into these clouds and they would what they said would happen would be the dumping of extra rain now did it dump extra rain i don't know because there were other silver iodide experiments later that they tried to do with hurricanes that were by all intents and purposes a complete failure that were done in the 70s and 80s um, but they went ahead and said, okay, well, that we it, that might not have worked, but let's carry on and keep doing that. And I do know today that silver iodide is used for, like what Jessica was mentioning, um, modern day um, uh, cloud, cloud seeding. Um, so this this was done openly in that country. Like they just dumped chemicals into their, into their clouds and into their environment. Um, and well, maybe there, there is a relationship between that and yellow rain. Um, I don't see any reason not to be, um, but this is our, this is the U S government openly saying we're going to control the weather and controlling the weather means we get to control the world. This is what's going on. That's why I don't believe that this is about just, uh, what is it protect e that even that the, even the, the hidden part of protect, they don't expose this, but they might even say they have this plan to protect us from global warming or from the effects of global warming by putting a layer of light reflecting crap in the atmosphere i don't buy it I, I think they are trying to control the weather and trying to control the world through it and it's a and it and china's doing it the u.s is doing it they're competing over it and they both i believe they both have plants that are malicious 
to, e to each other's respective populations, but also to their own population. Because um, it's happening in California and people have been measuring lead and barium, barium salts being found and strontium being found um, and aluminum in particular um, being found in, in, in the water and in plants and aluminum and an aluminum oxides when mixed with acid make it so that roots of, the, of trees and plants don't absorb as much nutrients. So it tends to kill them. They, they were saying, oh, aluminum oxide doesn't really do anything. And that, that was like that. But aluminum oxide plus acid does, apparently. So, I, again, it's very distressing. It's not this is not a this, this is stuff the U.S. is going on record as saying they're going to do and they're doing they've done it and they're going to do it and they're going to carry on with this. So like telecommunications, uh, the space, the space war and weather weather control. That was in the 60s. They, they said it then. You think they changed their mind? So I just wanted to show that. I wanted to add too, like from what I've read, a lot of this stuff, um, in addition to like weakening the strength of trees and ecosystems, like you were saying, Andy, um, it also makes forests more flammable, which is very interesting with the emphasis past half decade on fires. Um, uh, I had one other thought. Oh, um, just on like, I, I agree with, I think all of you have like called it an experiment in some respect. And I mean, it is in some sense an experiment, not dissimilar to how like nuclear, right, was and is an experiment because there's no end <laughs> in sight, right? Like you'd look at the super fun sites now of like nuclear cleanup, which is a total euphemism. Like you can't, undo it um like we're going to be like cleaning up forever um but just in terms of like experiment i i do think in some sense that term implies that they don't fully know the implications and even if you just like i just googled silver iodide right which is we know for a fact cloud seeding right like that is being pumped in into the atmosphere and even just mainstream information, like the first thing, it says may cause eye and skin irritation, may cause respiratory and digestive tract irritation, light sensitive, may cause reproductive and fetal effects. So like, we know, we know that. And there's st they still chose to do it. Um, yeah. And are doing it. That's actually, ex ex sorry, we're referring back to this, the eyewitness Eng Yang, if I pronounce it correctly, but that's exactly what he said. He was, he was part of the Hmong, Hmong, well, the rebellious group, like the people in Laos were being used to fight the USA to fight against um, the communists in Vietnam. And then they were abandoned, which was horrible. Like that's why you shouldn't trust allying yourself with people from the USA. But anyway, so they, they described just that, Jessica, what you're saying, they described um, the liquid that, so let me just, as you, because as you were saying that, so they described the, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it, H-M-O-N-G, Hmong, no, and other eyewitnesses who fled to Th Thailand described the strange sticky liquid that they call the yellow rain as causing as causing plant life to die and humans who suffer skin blistering, blindness, seizures, and other maladies, such as the ones that you've described, like vomiting and other things. So, and these were many people who had experienced this. 
And yet he, like other people, were dismissed by a panel of influential academic studies by in Scientific America's group, respected biologists and biochemists, including Harvard's Matthew Meselosson, that, that said it was just basically B feces. I mean, there you again see the science community as foot soldiers for imperialism. You know, they're just they're just the the apologists and even create the creating the cover because we already know what they did. Yeah. And and even they know, like it's on record. Yeah, and I mean, just back to the like the Dupont example that Eduardo brought up, and like these parallels to like actual warfare like you know more how people interpret you know mainstream warfare i mean our entire fertilizer industry on a global scale is a product of militarized you know industry um to a large extent in the pharmaceutical industry too um the agriculture industry like all of those materials and it just i mean that to me is like one of the foundational like things that has to be recognized when you, when you, when you accept that, right. It's like, no, there's no reform. Like you, we can't just have like good, oh, we'll just have better pharmaceuticals that have like, you know, more airtight, more transparent clinical trials and like, don't have, have as bad side effects. It's like, no, the whole thing has to be scratched. Same thing with all the fertilizers. Like it, it comes out of war, right? Like, so it can never, it can never be reformed. <clears throat> Yeah, and one more thing, just because I think you're going to talk about Monsanto. Um, it's, it was recently documented, or maybe it was in the last 10 years, I think this came up, that Monsanto was developing an aluminum-resistant aluminum gene for plants because they were seeing that plant production and crop production was being affected by the level of aluminum that was in the environment and in the soil. So Monsanto was saying, well, here's our solution. We're going to create a, we're going to create a set of plants that have aluminum resistance. Yep, and uh, I always have trouble pronouncing it because in uh, aluminium is how my family says it because they're British. Aluminum, um, right, is one of the primary uh, contributors to Alzheimer's, which has exploded in recent decades, autism, which has exploded in recent decades, the whole spectrum of autoimmune, syndromes and diseases, cancers, lung disease. I mean, all of these health issues, right? Um, and I'm not saying that they're like, it's like a one for one, oh, like heavy metals, like are the only contributor, but like, we know that's documented. That's why you're not supposed to use like mainstream deodorant, right? Because it has aluminum in it. And yet we're fine with this shit landing on all of our crops, including the organic farms. And then, yeah, exactly like you said, Andy, it's like, you know, the stupid problem reaction solution thing, you know, they create aluminum resistant. I think they started with corn. I don't know if they're doing more because corn right, is like the primary, primary crop, um, which I think also there, those seeds, those aluminum resistant corn seeds, if I'm not mistaken, um, they're terminator seeds. So it's, it's basically green revolution all over again on a global scale times like a billion in scale because then you have a situation where not only are they being forced to use that seed because aluminum's landing all over their crops and nothing's growing or not to the extent that it 
has in the past, but then they're also forced to go back and buy new seeds from Monsanto every single season. Right. And they have, you know, all the patents for all the drought, like the drought resistant and the flood resistant crops. So all the farmers are getting fucked. Um, you know, the whole food supply is getting fucked because we're all eating this stuff. Um, and it's, you know, it's super frustrating for people who like go out of their way to try to buy like organic or try to buy non-GMO, right? Um, yeah, I mean, and it, yeah, just tying it back all to the to the GMO stuff um, and the market and capitalism, right? It's just like they're trading water on Wall Street now. So you have, like in the case of droughts, you have people now profiting off of droughts. Like it's a fucking game. Um, so why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they fuck with the weather and cause droughts or cause flooding, right? Um, when they're they directly profit from it. I so both of you were you alluded to it, and I think that I don't know which one. I think they, I don't remember Operation LAC went first or. No, they were simultaneous. So, <clears throat> uh, so there was uh, so the Agent Orange is what I think many veterans that I've spoken to who were part of my small rally that I did in Gilroy against Ingenta that I spoke to. There were some veterans for peace that were talking about, and even one person whose grandfather was a part of who was a veteran had spoken about Agent Orange being used in Vietnam uh, and was a production of Monsanto. And I had I had gone against, I was going there as a rally and I'd spoken to, I listened to their stories and people had a lot of effects from these chemicals. And I think I'm just tying it back, like, okay, it happened over there, but I'm talking to, we're talking to largely U.S. American audience. And so I imagine that anybody here who is listening may know, possibly, there are people who have a connection to that time. And the, 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 the substances that were used, mostly, of, of course, on, on, like, on the Vietnamese, um, have caused, like, damaging environmental effects as well as health problems for individuals that were exposed and uh, people died from illnesses because of it so uh, health problems as a result of the exposure to agent orange that affected better that affected people who were in war and as well as people who were there in 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 vietnam uh the government of vietnam says that up to four million people in vietnam were exposed to the defoliant and as many as three million people have suffered illness because of agent orange and so it's um, the companies, I'll mention them for people to the Dow company, chemical company, Monsanto company, Diamond Shamrock Corpor Corporation um, is this is listed on like just as 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 easy as anyone can read it on Wikipedia. And this is normally what we, people would say, like, oh, oh, well, this is kind of like conspiracy. No, you can find this on like mainstream sources. I've sought this stuff like a Britannica and other websites that come up on Google and it's like everything is supposed to be filtered out and censored for misinformation. This stuff is pretty mainstream that anyone can look up and there's nothing to hide there. So obviously there was huge, these chemicals have been used against people. And if I'm going to just 
move from like what happened in the foreign, like in a war, I'll move to, unless someone else wants to intervene and come in, they can always in, interrupt me. There were these, there was this operation, LAC, that was um, dispersing uh, or large, so Operation LAC, which is called Large Area Coverage, um, was the United States Army Chemical Corps that released zinc, can, the cadmium sulfide. I hope I pronounced it right. Yeah. And this stuff was used. I, I have here a site. I'll also include links in the episode notes to this. And it looks, the color of this cadmium sulfide looks yellow. <laughs> Eduardo, I'm not are saying you cadmium or something else? Cadmium. Cad, cadmium. Did I say it correct? Sorry. No, yeah. no. I just want to make sure I was. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Cadmium sulfide. This stuff, I couldn't imagine this stuff. Like, obviously, you, you're not, we're, there's no escape. The military releasing this in the Bay Area and in other areas, like in, in, in the U.S. American cities from coast to coast during the 1950s and the 60s, this is a fine powder that was fluorescent and that has, as you were mentioning, some like substances like copper and other things, Andy, that like might be used for a bear. Well, these are barium salts and strontium and things like that. But I believe cal this cadmium sulfide was was being used as potentially mitigating radiation damage. Okay, they were they were they were experimenting whether or not exposure to cadmium sulfide sulfide might make you less susceptible to radiation if a nuclear bomb happened or something like that. Without anyone's consent. No, radio. it was exactly. <laughs> so you're just testing on people without anyone's consent. What does that sound like? Like today. <laughs> the fucking mosquitoes in Florida. Right. That's the other thing. Um, I think we need to revisit the, the, the episode on CRISPR. Um, so I'm just thinking to myself, like, if this was done here, imagine what, what was done in elsewhere in other countries, right? Like, this is crazy to me that anyone could think that this was okay just to spray this stuff onto people. And they found these to be, um, to, uh, to be found in Mexico and other, other places. That's something I just was like shocked by just like, and I'm so, that's why I said, I'm so glad we did this. Like who would have thought that this was stuff that, that you could just re release onto people without their consent and then not knowing the effects of this stuff. And even all the things that we've experimented on with things, chemicals for herbicides and pesticides and trying to control uh, agriculture, you know, like we have no idea of the detriment we do actually, we now know, but still the consequences, the detrimental effects that this does on our health, the environment, this is the kind of stuff I think I, I'm more uh, worried about than climate change, I think. I don't know if that's a very big statement, but. But it is something that like real like contamination you can see in videos where like this stuff seeps into the soil and then seeps into the groundwater and is affecting us all, you know, yeah. and, and the way that we're feeding us, uh, the way that we're ingesting these things. Should I play a clip? I have a clip of some farmers or can you go and then. Yeah. Uh, just uh, on that note, because, you know, I recently moved to a rural area in California, relatively rural. It's a lot of farming, you know, it's the valley. Um, and it just so happens that uh, I'm staying in a place where 
there is a decommissioned um, military base. And it just so happens that in this town, my skin has been fucking burning with the water. Like I actually have a lot of shit right here on my elbows. I got shit on my hands. I got shit on my face. Wow. And this is not the area where we're gonna live. And I've been working in the other house, which is another like 15 minutes away. And it turns out that the water in this town where there used to be a military base, there's still an air museum. Uh, the water here is very contaminated, you know? And, and, and so, you know, like, obviously there is a lot of shit that we think we know about, but there is even more shit that we don't know about, right? Like, and that's what we're discussing this. Uh, and, and the proof is in, for me, is like literally my skin. You know, and, 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 you know, here I thought, right, like I left San Francisco for one sort of safety, right? Uh, never mind that San Francisco is full of cars too, right? <laughs> uh, you know, we think that it's cleaner, whatever, that is sold as that fucking, you know, uh, or the Bay Area is sold as like a, you know, environmental kind of paradise in a sort of way, like weird way, you know, but my point is that there is no fucking safety anywhere. <laughs> you know, you can run away, but, you know, especially when we're talking about shit from the air, this will falls everywhere, you know, and, and there is, you know, we are hearing more stories, right, of towns where water is just fucking useless. Now, in the U.S., that's been something that happens all the time in other countries, you know, because they, they've sprayed out a bunch of shit indiscriminately uh, without, you know, regard for life. And so... That's why I'm here listening to this conversation, you know, because I don't know much about this stuff. And, and now it turns out there's a lot of precedents, you know. Uh, and again, like, there is this notion that we often are pushed towards that times things are getting better, right? What gets better is just the cosmetic cosmetic aspects. Yes, they're not dumping fluorescent shit, you know, that we can see, but there is invisible shit that we don't even know, you know, everywhere, you know, and, and, and so, and obviously it's not just about our individual health, but like, especially if we have young people, right? Like, the, what's the world for them? What, what kind of world are they gonna have? You know, and and this kind of goes back into the, you know, some disagreements we had in the past, right? When we're like doesn't matter what fucking individual law or, or you know, uh, fucking um, cosmetic fix, uh, the EPA or some bullshit organ institution that colludes against our safety, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, this whole thing has to be dismantled, you know, because again, we're, we're contextualizing this, right? We may not know the specifics or what exactly happened in this very moment, but we know there is a war. You know, we know they are gearing up. We know they're arming up. They have been forever. It will never stop because that's how this system works. Yeah, the, the water thing. I mean, the way you put it, Kenny, it just, it's like a lose-lose because if government and industry neglects your water supply in any given town, right, you're fucked because there's going to be probably like lead seeping into it from old infrastructure or heavy metals or whatever. But also if they treat it right, they're going to pump it with fluoride and who knows what else, right? Chemicals, um, you know, trace 
Trace Pharmaceuticals is all up in the tap water all over this country. Um, so it's like you're fucked either either way. And then they always have a solution. Like their solution to your skin issue is like, oh, well, yeah, great. Let's fight for Medicare for all. And then we can get you access to a nice pill. Right. Or, and it's like, well, maybe they should stop fucking poisoning you. Or or you have to buy a filter like I had to do it. You know, a filter to filter the hard water that falls in my body and burns. Yeah. Um, also the skin thing makes me think of um i didn't really go down this rabbit hole but i want to at some point is i know people talk about um is it more more gallons more gallons a lot of people think that that's specifically um related to chemtrails but you're not confirmed i um before you go on to what you were going to share jess if i could just one more thing i could just share that's all right with everybody so I was looking into more of like the experiments that were done on cities. And besides the operation LAC, there was another operation that was done here specifically where I'm living. I think I'm the only one now living in San Francisco. Yeah. Everybody's Jesus. <laughs> I just thought about that right now. <laughs> uh, so there here, I was going to say it for us here, but because I looked at Jess, but then I thought, wait, no, everyone's gone. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so this one, so here there was, uh, in, 19, in 1950, the USA released a bioweapon here in San Francisco. Did you know that, Andy? Did anybody else? This was hundreds of bioweapon simulations carried out in the 1950s and 1960s. So this is a small article in the Smithsonian. This is a small, so this is like a, a scientific magazine that is very mainstream for anyone who wants to. I'm not, I say that because I know I'm the only one that probably cares here that YouTube censors us. And so I say these references just in case there's someone watching and it's That's just why me. I told you to say geoengineering, not chemtrails, because chemtrails is gonna flag the algorithm where <laughs> they're gonna be like, oh yeah. So that's why I think I, I say that, but I know some of you don't care about that. So I know I'm looking at Kenny and Andy specifically. Uh so here, so uh beginning, so this is very short, beginning on the 26th, 26th of September, 1950. The crew of a U.S. Navy minesweeper ship spent six days spraying this uh, Serasha Marasensis. I'll we'll put something here so people can pronounce this. S-E-R-R-A-T-I-A. Then Marasensis, M-A-R-C-E-S-C-E-N-S, into the air about two miles. Again, no consent. Where do people think that this was all right? Into the air about two miles off the Northern California coast. The project was called Operation Sea Spray, and its aim was to determine the susceptibility of a big city like San Francisco to, to a bioweapon attack by terrorists. In the following days, the military took samples at 43 sites to track the bacteria spread and found that it had quickly infested not only the city, but the surrounding suburbs. During the test, residents of these areas would have inhaled millions of bacterial spores. This is biowarfare. Clearly, their, their test showed San Francisco and the cities with similar size and topography could face germ warfare threats. So it was a success, success in knowing that it could do this thing. Like, that wasn't going to be obvious. In this regard, the experiment was a success. A success. Uh, but there was a catch. And the time, at the time, the U.S. military thought that the Sarasha couldn't harm humans. The bug was mostly known for the red spots it produced on infested foods and had not been widely linked to clinical conditions. That changed when one week after the test, 11 local residents checked into Stanford University. 
I'm sure there were more that probably that were not documented. Stanford University Hospital complaining about urinary tract infections. Upon testing their pee, doctors noticed that the pathogen had, had a red hue. Infection with Sarasha was so rare that the outbreak was extensive. I want to say this extensively investigated by the university to identify the origins of scarlet letter bug. But anyhow, so they go on and on and on. But the military had performed similar tests in other cities across the country over the next two decades until Richard Nixon halted the germ warfare research in 1969. But San Francisco experiment didn't become public knowledge until 1976. Salvium, not only was there zinc, cadmium, sulfide. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Released onto the Bay Area and other major U.S. Uh, cities in the USA. Here in where the city that I live, there were there were uh, there were bioweapons released in this in the city. Not a bacteria released and that affected people. I'm sure more than 11, 11 of these local residents. So to imagine, uh, just we'll get. Well, I want to I want to know what just is going to share, but just to imagine that these chemtrails are just little condensation vapors released, like, come on, like there's obviously going to be a lot of speculation as to what these things are. And if things aren't being released to the public, I'm uh, and like this one wasn't released until 1976. I'm sure years later, if someone fights for it, there's going to be a lot of stuff released that in this time that we're living in that is just out of our public knowledge. Anyhow, Jess, you were going to... Share something. Sorry about that. No, it's all good. Uh, well, I have a bunch of stuff, so I'm not going to show it all. But um, I mean, one thing I wanted to just bring up. So one of the things I was looking at was um, there's a guy called Peter Kirby. Is that right? Peter Kirby? Yeah. Um, so I just ordered his book. I haven't read his book, but he wrote this book in 2016 called Kim Trails Exposed, a new Manhattan project. Um but I listened to a couple interviews with him and it was pretty interesting because he, he goes really into the specifics, which I'm not going to be able to capture, but we can link it and people will um, check it out if they want. But just making the distinction between sort of like the original cloud seeding, which I think overlaps with some of the, you know, covert or semi-covert um, bioweapons and like the yellow rain and stuff um, examples that have been brought up. But cloud seeding in the sort of traditional, like commercial, commercially available, you know, for half a century plus where the silver iodide is whatever shot into clouds. I don't know what the technical technical term is, but, um, you know, in order to produce rain or snow or, or moisture. Um, but he so he is like distinguishing that from what he kind of groups as like the new Manhattan project where electromagnetic energy is now being used to disperse particles, I think. And he's talking about it on like a global basis. Um, so it, I don't know, some of this, like I feel kind of feeds into the ongoing debates we've had on here about sort of like nation states competing versus this idea of like a sort of global world order of some sort and like is it one or the other or can it be both um because you know with some of this stuff like just on a practical level and he kind of goes into this Kirby um just in terms of like okay well what would actually be required for some of the more covert 
you know, if there is, especially on like a global scale, um, you know, obviously the more industrialized countries like China and and the U S um, like, for example, just the planes that be, would be required, right. Um, control centers. And he kind of goes into like how easy it really would be. Um, especially with modern technology, like remote controlled aircraft. Um, like we know that exists. We know, I mean, the security clearances like for NASA, for, Air Force bases, um, underground facilities, like the black budgets, all that stuff. Like we know it, 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 it's happening in other contexts. So it's, it's not that difficult to imagine, you know, that this, um, sort of operation could, could be carried out. Um, and he specifically kind of looks at, uh, a couple spots in Alaska, um, where he kind of, alleges like or I guess suspects that um you know that could be one of the sort of like global uh command centers and that's also where harp I don't know that much about harp honestly it kind of confuses me but I know that was out of Alaska or is out of Alaska um using the sort of like high frequency radio waves or whatnot to fuck with the atmosphere (laughs) as I understand it um anyway so that was one thing just in terms of like I think it's it gets confusing like grouping all of these different technologies together under this like umbrella of like oh it's like chemtrails when I think it's there's like a lot of different projects that all you know kind of some overlap and um what you know is it aluminum in this context and barium and strontium and cadmium and whatever it may be um, but I just wanted to go back the the thing that I did want to share. So I have a couple clips from, um, these documentaries, which we can link, which I think are about 10 years old at least. Um, but just to kind of give maybe some grounding for some of the stuff Eduardo was talking about with farming and the food supply and, um, Kenny's point about like rural safety being a complete illusion. Uh, and I think this also ties into stuff we've talked about before in terms of like the fight or flight, like homesteading sort of movement that's cropped up in response to the lockdowns and this idea of like, I'm just going to opt out. Um, I think this clip is a good example of how that's not really going to be possible. Um, okay, let me share my screen. So I think this is Hawaii, if I'm not mistaken. I think they'll say. Filtered air. What did you find? Aluminum. Here's another test that's revealing 375,000 yeah. parts per million aluminum, barium at 3,090, and strontium at 345. Yeah, that's from a lined pond with EPDM fish safe pond liner. There is no chemicals, manufacturing materials at all in that pond liner that's uh, available to the aquatic life. It's designed for that purpose. The well that feeds this pond has been tested and retested. ND, no detectable aluminum, zero. The only other place this pond can receive water is rainfall. We are located on a filtered forested hilltop, miles and miles and miles away from any industry, highway, and so forth. After several heavy spray days, there was a film that we we received formed on the surface of the water. And we tested that crust, and it was uh, aluminum and barium. 
that after a year and a half's accumulation had 375,000 parts per billion of aluminum in it, it's literally toxic. We can say conclusively that what we see in the sky matches expressly what's outlined in numerous patents and the materials on the ground match those patents. This material was not there five years ago. It is a recent phenomena in the quantities it's in. It has escalated in some cases 50,000% in five years in the case of aluminum. From our original baseline reading of seven parts per billion, which was already high, it has escalated up to 50,000% in five years. And we've seen profound changes in that time. Dr. Leonard Time, um, PhD in chemistry, I cross-checked with him and he says the oxides of aluminum, barium, and strontium will drive your pH into the coastal from an acid soil like this up into the neutral. There's no question about it. And, and that's exactly... That's exactly what you see happen. Wow. Okay, sorry. That was not the Hawaii clip, but, but you get the point. Um, yeah. So just as, you know, just as an example of like a very rural area um, and they're doing you know, tests regularly and they see this massive increase um, and it's not an isolated incident. Like this is happening in so many different places all over the world. Yeah. And maybe that'll bring me to what I think maybe the last part, which is this other I mean, I guess it's been going. The thing that I'm becoming aware of is this notion of solar radiation management, right? Solar radiation. What's the term? Hold on. I want to get it right. Yeah. The solar radiation management governance initiative. Um, and this is, this is in the paper I found in 2015. This is just like it literally out, out in the, out in the open. Um, and here's where I came up with that whole climate intervention notion, because this, this was a government, a, a government put together body that was talking about climate intervention, reflecting sunlight to cool the earth. Um, and you can see, I think, who's involved in it. National Academy of Sciences, National Academy of Engineering, Institute of Medicine, National Research Council. These are just, you know, head U.S. government sponsored research facilities and they're pretty open about what they're trying to do here um uh and it's not it's not cloud seeding anymore now they're talking uh let's see what how do they put it um the new report on geoengineering a significant milestone they describe it as um a report released today marks the first time the U.S. government has requested guidance on geoengineering technologies and their impacts and represents a significant milestone in public exploration of geoengineering issues, according to this international group of experts. Um, and this is a quote from the report. The billions of tons of climate pollution that we put into our atmosphere every year are causing serious changes to the climate. Now, of course, they don't mention the fact that they actually produced the pollution that did that, but whatever. The way to address the problem is to cut the pollution. But given the urgency of this challenge, some of us are also exploring geoengineering. We came to this issue very concerned about the danger of unintended consequences, but agree that further discussion makes sense and also believe it is critically important to have strong rules in place to govern the exploration of this topic. NAS is charged with providing independent objective advice to the United States on matters related to science technology. It is published, wait, let's see, da, da, da. Um, 
It has published more than a dozen previous reports on climate change, but today's report is the first study commissioned by the U.S. government that explains our understanding of the science, ethics, and governance issues presented by geoengineering, also known as climate engineering technologies. Geoengineering is the deliberate large-scale manipulation of the Earth's climate system to counteract what they describe anthropogenic climate change, meaning, I guess, human-produced climate change. Geoengineering covers a wide range of ideas, including technologies such as albedo modification, also known as solar radiation management. And all that basically means is can we put new pollutants into the sky that might have the effect of reflecting light back in back out into space instead of allowing it to hit the ground. Um, and by that, and therefore we will we will counteract the uh, the the greenhouse effect that happens when the when the light comes all the way to the ground and reflects back up and is kept into the kept into the atmosphere by these greenhouse gases. That's their little you know story. So it's um they're they're in order to deal with the effects of pollution, they plan on putting more pollution into the atmosphere. Can I play the my John Brennan clip? Because I think it is exactly in line with the the paper that you're quoting. Yeah. Yeah. So this is you know CIA or former CIA director um John Brennan in 2016 talking at the Council of Foreign Relations. Who keeps emailing me, by the way? It's creepy. They email <laughs> me at my work. Like every week, I get an email from the fucking Council of Foreign Relations. Anyway, okay, 2016. Another example is the array of technologies, often referred to collectively as geoengineering, that potentially could help reverse the warming effects of global climate change. One that has gained my personal attention is stratospheric aerosol injection, or SAI, a method of seeding the stratosphere with particles that can help reflect the sun's heat in much the same way that volcanic eruptions do. An SAI program could limit global temperature increases, reducing some risks associated with higher temperatures and providing the world economy additional time to transition from fossil fuels. This process is also relatively inexpensive. The National Research Council estimates that a fully deployed SAI program would cost about $10 billion yearly. As promising as it may be, Moving forward on SAI would also raise a number of challenges for our government and for the international community. On the technical side, greenhouse gas emission reductions would still have to accompany SAI to address other climate change effects, such as ocean acidification, because SAI alone would not remove greenhouse gases from the atmosphere. On the geopolitical side, the technology's potential to alter weather patterns and benefit certain regions of the world at the expense of other regions could trigger sharp opposition by some nations. Others might seize on SAI's benefits and back away from their commitment to carbon dioxide reductions. And as with other breakthrough technologies, global norms and standards are lacking to guide the deployment and implementation of SAI and other geoengineering initiatives. Now I could go on and on and on and on about the things that fascinate me, but rather than talk about them, I thought I'd stop here and start the conversation with Judy, and then I can take some of your questions. I mean, it's like, you you're telling me this is a conspiracy theory? Is the CIA director openly discussing it? Yep. I mean, it's already been happening. I mean, it's already, it's been going on for a, a long time. That's, that's what that means. Is anyone going to touch Beijing and China? Well, 
it was, you know, they they really they were very they spent billions and billions of dollars of in efforts to manipulate the weather to protect the agricultural regions and improve significant events around like certain events that were significant to them, such as the 2008 Olympics. And so they had this cloud seeding technology use at a level that wasn't used before in recent times that I'm just like amazed. I didn't even know about this at the time that the Olympics were happening. I had no idea. And I had sort of heard about vaguely and some maybe Democracy Now! episode maybe or something along the way until now, but I don't think I ever delved into it. And it was what it was considered as one of the weather manipulating um, success stories of of of, of China. And uh, it, it was a technique that added chemicals or small particles of as we've already been discussing, uh, silver iodide uh, to, um, to clouds. And it was in order for them to have clear skies because of the, um, the pollution there. And, uh, and it was celebrated, but I, but people have been reporting um, that this is like more of that ma manipulation that we have no idea what kind of effects are happening. Like years later, we and even this cloud seeding here in the USA, just in case people want to just China bash, but there's also cloud seeding here in the USA. It's like, like not like stuff that you both of you have been talking about, but I'm just, that was one of the most like pumped billions of dollars into this massive operation there for the Olympics. Um, and the, they, I mean, they have patents there for sure on artificial snowstorms and stuff like that, but so does NASA. Mm -hmm. NASA has patents on snowstorms, rainstorm, like all of this synthetic weather shit. So like the idea that, oh, it's just China doing it. Like, come on, no, we're, <laughs> we're doing it too. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll I'm going to take LBJ at his word. I think the conception of the United States is the per, the country that controls the weather controls the world, and I I imagine China's thinking the same thing. So I don't believe I honestly don't believe any of these countries are doing what they're doing for the stated reasons, and the stated reasons are bad. <laughs> but I think there's deeper, even worse reasons underneath it all. Yeah, I'm curious about, so the documentary you want to maybe have us watch in the future is about dimming, like dimming the sun. Yeah, I yeah. would be really interested in that because I think even just conceptually, like at its base, this idea, I like whatever, I don't know if the earth is heating up to what degree and is it, you know, partially human caught, whatever. Um, but just the idea that of like, dimming our literal life force that's like fundamental to human circadian rhythm which is fundamental to everything you know vitamin d as we all know from the past couple of years is protective for our health like we need the sun and that's i mean that's one of the you know like if you're slapping on spf chemical spf daily you've been duped, you know, I mean, you've been lied to for, you know, the billionth time. I think people have been really like, even outside of the climate space, people have been taught 
and manipulated into fearing the sun, which is literally our greatest lifeblood force as a species, not just astrologically speaking, but physiologically, right? Like the sun is your friend. It protects you from COVID. It protects you from infection. It protects you from cancer, contrary to popular belief. And you're just never going to find a a stronger, more effective medicine. And they want to dim it. You know, these people who have caused so much damage in so many areas of the world, you know, um, I hate to, you know, it's come back to Gates, but like, he is one of the biggest proponents of this idea of like, yeah, we need to block, block out the sun. <sighs> no. Sounds yeah. like the matrix again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you were going again, going to imagine a world where people were supposed to just stay in their, in their shelters and be on their computer and be separated, then making the outside environment harmful is another piece of that puzzle. <clears throat> I don't have anything else to add. If, if anyone else wants to add something. No, I'm, I actually, I'm glad we discussed this. I think Jessica, you probably were the major impetus for this and I'm glad we're in this area now and I want to come back to it. And like I said, I'll, I'll talk to you all about that dimming video and you can decide whether we want to do a um, movie review um, with that, with that one. Um, but I, I feel like I'd like to also find somebody who, you know, is like this Kirby person who we could interview at some point, somebody who has a fuller understanding of it. Cause I honestly feel like this area, it's another important piece of a, the puzzle of how the world is being constructed. I think Corbett's done some work on it too. I didn't have time to dig in too deep, but I bet he has some good interviews and stuff as well. Yep. Not to even get started on like nanotechnology and, you know, I just can't. <laughs> do you guys, like, I mean, Andy, you're older than us. So do you remember like the whole aerosol thing and like, wasn't in the 90s? Like, I remember as a kid, like, the, the whole like, like you shouldn't use aerosol hairspray chlorofluorocarbons environment like this was like a liberal position right and like it was a huge thing and now it's like oh now we're okay with aerosols being yeah blasted out of planes everywhere (laughs) yeah yep and there was that there was that was related to ozone damage and acid rain and i feel i was going i'm glad you mentioned that just because feel lots of these sort of conspiratorial theories have been shared with me by people on the left, people of that era that, or people from the Save the Whales era, you know, like I feel that, and now everything is shifting as we've talked about this, everything is shifting towards conspiracy are the people who are Trump supporters and the right wing, da, 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 you know? That's what I feel is happening. But I go to Rainbow Grocery, a co-op here in San Francisco, and I have conversations with some of the old timers there, and they're so about this kind of stuff and also about vaccines. You know, they discuss this stuff and they, they say these aren't actually, these are just injections. Here we go, being taken down by YouTube. Uh, so 
you know, it's just, I've, it, again, I bring this up just because I, the stuff that, this stuff that I was introduced to, like the chemtrail, just even that word, was by a novel by someone who was raised by a heavy mother that I, that I alluded to. So it's just something that, like, I just shifting, like it went from, from left over to, or from this direction for people to watch, mm-hmm. from left over to right. It's right wing to be a hippie now. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. yep, that's true. Uh, all right. I really do. I'm going to post in the episode notes. So I want this to be kept in empty. I really, really would like for you all and for the audience to listen to that episode of that uh, Hmong refugee who talked about uh, the yellow rain and his experiences and then being pushed by like a Westerner that's trying to set him up to fail in his, in his testimony. Right. Like it was really sad. And, um, and I think, no, I, I believe him. I I believe his experience of what had happened there. So much has been done to people uh, in warfare during war times. I'll post a link to that. <clears throat> that does it for this week's episode. Uh, What's Left is a weekly political podcast slash channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests in the episode notes where we found this episode or on our blog at what-s-left.webnode.com. You can find past episodes to this podcast slash channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you like anything you've heard here, <clears throat> if you feel like we're worth being kept and where we are, covering the stuff that's not covered in the mainstream medias and very congratulations to NYC workers who were reinstated to keep their positions back because, you know, unfortunately had to be done through the courts. But I'll just say that they haven't seen it in any mainstream news. Um, And for what it's worth, like even just Michael Caine and them and their fight and whatever their struggle is, I respect it and I really appreciate that. But we cover stuff like that. And I remind folks, if you like things here, please subscribe, rate, rate, review, turn on your notifications to any of our platforms on Spotify, iTunes, Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, Rumble, or Telegram. And you can find our blog in any of those links in the episode notes where we've done this episode. And lastly, if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. I forgot to mention, sorry. Uh, um, you can find our social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca and at ZDKE. Uh, and check out Kenny's great Instagram post that he puts a lot of time and effort in uh, on Instagram. And Jess's Twitter handle that I also visited recently this week that I thought was pretty Sometimes cool. Sometimes I put pictures of the chemtrails in my town. <laughs> <laughs> You can find her at at jhomi89. Thank you. And uh, I'm in order to work with co-hosts Jessica and Kenny Cepeda and Andy Lipson. Thank you all very much. We'll check us out next week. Ciao.